When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about shorting stocks. I know that's not a popular topic right now, and it's not me saying that it's time to short stocks right now, but because it's not, but we're going to talk about what shorting stocks means. And in today's email, we got a guy who wants to be called B-Money. That's definitely not a redneck name or any redneck name I've ever heard, but that's what he asks for, and I'm a man of the people. So he says, hi, Ryan. I'm a big fan of your podcast and really enjoy the content you talk about. I find your podcast engaging and informative. I thought I would reach out to you and ask if you could elaborate on a topic you briefly touched on in one of your episodes. You mentioned in an episode about shorting stocks, and I've always wondered, how do you short stocks? I understand it's betting against the stock, but how do you do it? Can you do an episode about that? Well, I sure can. He also goes on to say, I've been investing for about a year and tend to buy the blue chip stocks such as Apple, Microsoft, Broadcom, Lowe's, Toyota, National Bank of Canada, and a couple of other ETFs like SPYG. EXLY and SCHD. If you use my email, you can call me B Money. We've already addressed that. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Before I get into this episode, what am I drinking? Well, in honor of the fact that he is long on the National Bank of Canada, I decided to get McAdams Blended Canadian Whiskey. It's aged 36 months, mellowed and aged oak. What is the meaning behind mellowed and age oak i've never seen a kentucky bourbon say it's been mellowed not sure about that i know it's not a bourbon but still it's 40 percent alcohol 80 proof and when it comes to canadian whiskey i'm never really a fan of them i don't find a lot of them to be of high quality but i'm willing to be proved wrong now when i pour this i'm gonna be honest with you it looks like piss if I poured this in my toilet right now and left it there my wife jen would come home and she would say ryan you forgot the flush again <laughs> not again man i'm actually pretty good about that <laughs> all right but anyways that's what she would say she would say ryan you didn't flush the toilet it looks like piss and that's what it looks like it's hard to drink knowing that it looks like piss but i will do it anyways to be able to provide a score smell wise it smells like the the sniffing salts what do they call it the smelling salts like when somebody gets knocked out or somebody's been concussed on the sidelines of a football game you know they give them the smelling salts to tell them to snap out of it it has one of those weird cleaning agent smells to it and the taste is non-existent maybe i mean there's like there's like a slight hint of heat to it not much at all and outside of that there's no taste i mean i kid you not i don't think i've ever had something that has no taste completely unsatisfying i just don't even taste anything i really don't it's 
It's kind of like the same satisfaction you get from drinking water. Or in the beer world, it'd be like drinking a Bud Light. There's just no value to it. It tastes very watered down. And the aesthetics, let's be honest, anything that looks like piss, the aesthetics are not good on it. I don't know what, what, what the Canadians are doing up there with their whiskey. I mean, it's just not good. You, gotta, you guys got to start making some good bourbon. Now, you can't make bourbon in Canada. Bourbon can only be made in the United States. But nonetheless, you can make something like it, though, right? I mean, this Canadian whiskey just isn't flying. I've never had a good Canadian whiskey. And I got a few more in the drawer that I still need to try out. And I'm not looking forward to it. I got to spread it out. They're just not that good. I can't do too many of these at once. For a score, I'm giving it a 1.6. It's one of the lower scores you'll see me give out. It's really atrocious, this McAdams blended Canadian whiskey. Horrible. I don't even know why somebody would drink it. Just drink water. Back to the... ah, Gosh, it's hard to drink. Back to shorting stocks, okay? B-Money is asking, how do you short stock? Now, let's go back to the days of when we were in school. And you've got this nice, shiny pencil. Kid next to you needs a pencil. And so he asks, hey, can I borrow that pencil? Now, this pencil is worth a dollar. And you want that pencil back before the end of the week or before the end of the day, whatever it is. You let him borrow it. It costs you a dollar. You hope to get that back. He takes that pencil and realizes, hey, you know what? I could sell this pencil for a dollar to the kid right next to me. But the only problem is, is that he still owes the guy that he borrowed that pencil from that pencil. So what does he do? Well, he goes on like Amazon when he gets home from school and he looks up that pencil. Well, cool thing is, is he can get that pencil delivered to him for 50 cents and it's next day shipping. So he gets it the very next day. He goes back to his friend and said, hey, here's your pencil back. Friend's thrilled. He got his pencil back. He didn't, you know, lose out on a dollar that he spent on that pencil. Got it back. He doesn't care that it's a, a new pencil or anything else. It's the same pencil. So what happened here? He borrowed the pencil, sold it to a guy for a dollar, went online, bought that pencil for 50 cents, gave it back to his buddy that he owed the pencil to. As a result, he made 50 cents, right? He made a 50% return from borrowing somebody else's pencil and selling it to someone else and then buying it cheaper. And it's like that with stocks. You're borrowing from the brokerage shares that you don't have and you're shorting them. You're selling them. You're selling it to somebody. You don't know who they are, but you are selling it to somebody at, let's say, stock ABC at $100. But you still owe your brokerage those shares back at some point in the future. And as a result, you need to hope that they go down because whether you like it or not, you're going to have to buy back those shares so that everybody is fine and dandy because those shares belong to somebody else. So you want the stock to go down to, say, $90 or $80, and then you can buy those shares back and give it to your broker. That's what shorting is. Pretty simple, right? It's just like that example of a pencil. But of course, you know, brokers, they, they make it a little bit more fancier. They like to throw some interest in there as well as because you're borrowing from them. You're borrowing these shares, so they're going to charge you interest for it. So they're going to make money off of that as well. Because you're borrowing your shares from the brokerage when you're shorting them, you need to have a margin account. Why? Because you're borrowing. And that's where your interest comes from. Now, I'd also say too, avoid shorting certain stocks. There's plenty of stocks that I will never short. One of the most obvious ones, penny stocks. You never want to short penny stocks. Penny stocks are the absolute craziest thing to short. There's a lot of people who will claim they've made careers off of it and they try to suck you into buying their subscription and showing you how to short penny stocks. I'm telling you guys, there's no better way than to lose just a crap ton of money, more than what you even put into the market. Because guess what? If you short a penny stock at 
two pennies and that thing opens up at 10 cents the next day, you lost 10 cents a share, even though you sold those shares for two cents. You just lost 400%. So we don't want to short penny stocks because there's crazy things and news events that can happen. And most of the time, you can't find brokerages that'll let you short them, short them anyways, because they don't want to be on the hook either if you can't make that money back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another one that I'm fiercely against shorting, biotech stocks. Those things are so driven by the FDA. And if they're one of these companies that have like one or two products that are awaiting approval and they get approval for one, you may be looking at a stock that's up 200% the next day. And so you don't want that either. So avoid the biotech stocks. And I know you might say, okay, well, you got others that have like huge product lines like Pfizer or Johnson and Johnson. Should you short those? No, I, I would just stay away from all of the biotech stocks. Now you might say, well, what about Gilead Sciences? Should I be able to short those. They got more than just one. No, I would just stay away from shorting them all, quite honestly. I don't even like to buy biotech stocks, much less short them. The other is small caps. Why, why do I say small caps? Because there's a lot of volatility in small caps. And they can run just as much off of like a, a big news event. Let's say they sign a contract with Apple or with Google, and it's something that increases their revenue by six or 700%. That's going to be a huge increase on their share price. So you want to avoid the the small caps as well. Not a huge fan of shorting small caps. Now, if you're going to short small caps, short the Russell index, because at least then your risk is spread out across all of the small caps, not just an individual one. And I know that some of these things are not popular. Some of you guys will say, I've shorted a biotech stock and made 20% off of it, or I short individual pump and dumps all the time. I'm just trying to tell you, it's not that you can't be successful here and there, but you run such a high level of risk of blowing out your account. And then in the end, we want to be able to stay in this game as long as we can. We don't want to do something that could sabotage that in the process. And when you take something like a pump and dump that that has gone from, let's say, a few pennies up to a few dollars, and you're thinking, there's no way this thing could go any higher. I mean, perfect example, and it's not even a penny stock, and it's not necessarily a pump and dump, but look at Moderna, mRNA. This stock has defied gravity for a really, really long time. And I, granted, there's a huge catalyst behind it. But so many people along the way are saying, there's no way this thing can go any higher. And people are just jumping out there and shorting it just because it looks really high on the charts. And if I didn't know any better, yeah, I would say it's going to come down too. But it doesn't because it just keeps having more and more news catalysts that keeps pushing it higher. Now we're on the booster shots. That's ultimately going to play well with their pocketbook. Now, here's something else that plays well in your pocketbook. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's the website that goes along with this podcast. You're going to get all of my market research each and every day. I highly recommend that you sign up for it. You're going to get weekly updates on the S&P 500, the Russell 2000, the NASDAQ 100. You're also going to get weekly updates at the beginning of each week on all the stocks that I'm following for that week, my bullish watch list and my bearish watch list. Then you're also going to get weekly updates on all the FANG stocks. And each and every morning, you're going to get my list of daily trade setups that I'm following, the stocks that I'm looking at possibly buying or shorting 
throughout the course of a trading day. And I'm going to send you a lot of different charts throughout the day that I find very intriguing and inviting for potential trade setups or just critical information that you need to know about. Check it out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now, the other one that I would highly avoid is buyout targets. There's a lot of them out there. And even among large caps, when you start hearing the chatter, probably a good reason not to short that stock. If there's rumors on CNBC or thestreet.com or some website, Yahoo Finance, I don't know. I'm just throwing out a bunch of different names. And people are really ginning it up. Look, you don't want to believe everything that you see on the financial news. But if there's even a smidgen of possibility that they might be bought out, I would probably say avoid it. For a long time, I avoided shorting Netflix because I always thought Netflix was a good buyout target. It never came to pass. Probably almost, probably too big to, to buy out at this point, unless you're Apple. But for a very long time, I always thought that, man, you'd be crazy not to buy Netflix. But what a lot of companies just did instead was create their own platforms and uh, compete with them directly instead of buying them out, which is probably not a bad idea either. But you also had stocks like LinkedIn that got bought out by Microsoft. One that I would probably avoid, Snapchat. I could see that one getting bought up at some point, either by like a Facebook or, or someone else. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that it's a possibility. Stocks that you don't have to worry about getting bought out would be Microsoft or Apple or Google or Amazon. They're just so big. The likelihood of there ever being some kind of takeover is very small. Not that anything's impossible. I got to say that because I'll say that and somehow... Apple gets bought tomorrow, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I told them they would never never get bought out. I'm not, I'm not saying that they can't, there's no possible way, but I'm just saying that more than likely, it doesn't happen. It's kind of crazy that I have to actually throw that disclaimer out there, but anyways, I do. But it, you take companies like, like Square SQ, it's possible that I could get bought out. The odds are that you know if you were to short it for the next week, probably won't get bought out in the next week, but you never know. So there is that risk that you take when you're shorting stocks that it could get bought out. So if you shorted a stock at $10 and you wake up the next day, it's trading at $30 because it got bought out. Yeah, you're going to be paying more than what you borrowed. You're going to be paying an extra $20 on top of what you sold those shares for. So it's kind of a bad situation all around. That's why I'm very careful about what I short, that I don't short stocks that are high valued targets for some bigger company or a bigger fish out there. And the other alternative too is ETFs. A lot of people love the ultra ETFs. I will use the ETFs too when the risk reward is right. But a lot of times I actually just use the regular like SH for a one-to-one inverse relationship to the S&P 500 or PSQ, which is a one-to-one to the NASDAQ 100 or RWM, which is one-to-one for the Russell 2000. Why is that? Because I have a little bit more control over the, over the trade. I can stay in it for a longer period of time if necessary it's not going to whip me around and cause me to take a far bigger loss. Because if you start doing TNA and TZA, which is the three to one of the Russell 2000, you can easily see a nine to 10% rally in just a couple of days. I mean, that's just how small caps work. They're much more volatile. So I prefer like an RWM. It's not that I won't ever do it. I've done it plenty of times in the past, but the reward to risk is right. There's a good opportunity there and it's a risk that I'm willing to take. But by using those inverse ETFs, you actually don't even have to short the market. The ETF itself is shorting the market, but you're actually buying that ETF, that inverse ETF, which is really cool. But there's also a deterioration, a time decay that goes along with it because it resets every day. So you want to make sure that you're aware of that as well. Another thing I would tell you too is that a lot of times traders become perma bears because of their outlook on society. 
or on politics. And that that's a very dangerous situation. I mean, when Trump was elected in 2016, we had this epic rally that had gone from the lows of 2009 all the way through the end of 2016. I was like, man, good luck with trying to keep the market from crashing over the next four years. Yes, there was some volatile moments, but overall, the market went way up when he was president. Now, Joe Biden's president, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, good luck keeping that stock market propped up for the next four years. But here we are, we're, you know, we're in the first year of the presidency, and this thing's still trading at all-time highs, and, uh, and who knows how long it's going to continue to trade at all-time highs. And when you had the Federal Reserve making money very easy and very available, it's very difficult to short the stock. I just shorted the uh, Russell 2000 last week, and I held the ETF for about a month, and I got stopped out for like a 3% loss. There was one point towards the end where I was up a couple percent. Hindsight, maybe I should have just gone ahead and closed out the position and made the 2%, but there wasn't really a justification for doing that, so I didn't do it. But nonetheless, I mean, it's very difficult to fight the Fed. I jumped out of RWM and it just, and you saw the Russell 2000 keep going higher, which would have been bad news if I was still in RWM, which was the one-to-one inverse of the Russell 2000. But don't let your view of society, Congress, the presidency, your political affiliation get in the way of what you think the market should or should not do it. The market really doesn't care what we think it should do. It's, it's a matter of what it is actually doing. The path of least resistance. I talked about that in the last podcast when I was talking about the Jesse Livermore book, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, about how he talked about who cares about how high, how high a stock is or how low a stock is. Concern yourself with the path of least resistance. And that's what we got to do as traders. That, was, that, that podcast was actually very therapeutic for me because sometimes I'm looking at Apple and Microsoft. I was like, we're talking about trillions of dollars now, like trillions, like stocks that are bigger than a lot of countries' entire economy. And that can really jade your outlook on the overall market. So be careful that your view of society, your Congress, your president, uh, regardless if you're in the United States, Canada, or uh, England, or Europe, some other country, don't let that get in the way of what the market's actually doing and make you a permit bear because you just don't like how the shifts in society is going. Also, some of the technical patterns over the last 10 years have not been as strong, mainly because the Fed continues to pump the market. You have like patterns like head and shoulders patterns, which have been very reliable topping patterns. What you'll often see is price break just below the neckline of a head and shoulders pattern, and then it shoots right back up to all-time highs. I've seen it from the market. I've seen a lot of it from individual stocks. I was talking about it with ExxonMobil this morning, how it broke below a key neckline, and now it's starting to inch back up and break a, a declining trend line, and, and what it'll probably do is push back up to its highs. So you want to be careful about you know, the environment that you're trading in, when you have a Federal Reserve that's pumping endless supply of money, it's very difficult to make much money in the stock market. Almost every time I've tried to short the market, I have not had the best of results. Not bad results. A couple of times I've been profitable, but uh, of late, it's a very difficult market to short. By the time that you think, okay, it's a good time to start shorting, it's over. And every decline is getting shorter and shorter. The V bottoms are getting faster and faster and sharper and sharper. So that's going to do it for this episode. Encourage you guys to continue to send me your questions. Ryan at SharePointer.com. In the meantime, please leave me a five-star review, guys. That means the world to me. I know I ask for it in every episode, but I'm going to continue to do that because it really does sustain me and continue to allow me to expand the audience. You guys are the best, man. You guys keep it up. Stay vigilant. Keep bringing me those questions, and I'll be sure to keep doing these podcasts. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. 
With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. That's www.shareplanner.com slash tradingblock. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 